Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. Sam Stern here with my co-host, Jenny Wise. Hi, everyone. And we are across the table looking at our colleague who's normally not here to look at, Ryan Hart, Principal Analyst from our San Francisco office in Cambridge today. Hi, Ryan. Hi. And we wanted to have you help us answer this question for our listeners. How do you think about the different ways that improving customer experience delivers business value towards, I think, a view of how you'd prioritize between the different things you could do to improve customer experience. Well, let me set the context a little bit backing up because uh, this is in response to the prioritization competency part of the customer experience management maturity framework. The first one is prioritize your CX efforts by three categories. The second report is uh, power prioritization decisions with a dynamic tool. Essentially, as a customer experience professional, and I believe some of your research showed, Sam, that the average team is the size of nine people. So if you have nine people in your customer experience team, but you have thousands of interactions and you have multiple business lines, you have multiple stakeholders, how do you actually prioritize your efforts to actually get the biggest bang for your buck and essentially drive the biggest impact, not only for the customer, but also for the business? And quite honestly, it's, it's been an uphill battle to try to find really good prioritization examples in the market because quite frankly, I can safely say that probably most companies are not prioritizing actively what are the type of CX initiatives that they should be doing. And more importantly, to quote Michael Port, research, you know, strategy is really about knowing what not to do. And so how can you empower yourself with a tool that allows you to essentially say no to projects that come across your desk that are essentially not going to provide the level of customer impact and business impact that you need to green light those type of initiatives. Given that lack of concrete examples, we took from product development, prioritization tools, agile methods in prioritization. We talked to some bright spots from some of our clients that were doing mm-hmm some of this work and we really pulled together what we think are the distilled best practices around prioritization. That's a great starting point. I want to go back to something you said because you said they're not prioritizing actively. And I think actively is a very important word there because if you only have a team of nine, you're prioritizing passively if you're not making decisions about where we have the best bang for the buck, where we should devote our resources. You're doing it sort of as it comes in or whatever you can get to. And that is a form of prioritization, just not one that's likely to lead to better use of your resources. To answer your question about actively or passively, I mean, I mean, a lot of companies, because customer experience is still relatively new in a lot of organizations, what I see is that, to your point, that they are passively prioritizing, which more or less means that they're on their back foot. And so yeah. basically, it's ad hoc, it's firefighting, it's like, we have a problem in the call center, let's attack that. Oh, we've got a problem in the mobile channel, let's do that. And oh, we've got to train our call center agent. So basically, it's always trying to keep up with the tsunami of different yeah. initiatives that are hitting you. And so prioritization repositions the customer experience practice, empowers them to say, okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's push back on projects that are coming at us that are actually not uh, necessarily focused on driving good positive impact for the customer. Because quite frankly, Forrester is obviously not the first to actually look at prioritization as a critical component of a corporate strategy. Business leaders and executives have been prioritizing for a long time, but most of that is always focused on the business impact. How can we drive new business value across different strategic initiatives? But the big difference with this is that we've introduced the idea that you have to have customer impact in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And quite frankly, that's what I've seen lacking in so many of the prioritization frameworks that we 
looked at with customers and with product development companies. It's just they're not actually prioritizing or quantifying what the impact is going to be to the customer. Yeah, it reminds me of another point that I think is important here, which is a lot of CX teams I've talked to are sort of anxious to get more involvement, participation from their colleagues around customer experience. So if you succeed in that, and then there's a stream of projects, many of which are sort of being rebranded as CX once the firm cares about CX to try and get them prioritized, I guess, to our current conversation, the CX team needs a good and valid way of explaining to those people why this pet project isn't going to rise to the top without it completely shutting down that group from wanting to work with them at all. So to your point, Ryan, I think what's so important here about customer impact being part of this is we can explain to you in a way that maybe you won't like it in the moment, but you can at least come back to and look at the data and rationalize and have an adult conversation around that this is a valid reason for why this project and not this other project. And I think that's hard for CX pros when they're just desperate to get that kind of mind share and attention from their colleagues in the first place and don't want to shut it down instantly by saying no. Right. And that's something that I address in the research and the reports as well is you want to embrace any type of enthusiasm that the people have across the organization to want to improve the customer experience. And so if someone says, we need to do this project to, let's say, scale design thinking across our organization. We need, really need to get people training on this. Well, that's a great initiative. You should embrace that, that obviously that enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but say, hey, thank you. I appreciate that you're very keen to improve customer experience, but based on our pre-qualified criteria, that actually is not going to drive the kind of customer impact or business impact that we're looking for initially. So maybe that's a phase two or phase three project. And so really, when you think about the key tenets of a prioritization, the most basic, or we, we say beginner stage, uh, you're just establishing the prioritization framework. And that's really based on the three dimensions of customer impact, business impact, and feasibility. That's going to be my next question. What are they? Because I've heard us <laughs> say business value. I've heard us say customer impact. So feasibility is another one. And what is, and, and I mean, customer impact, you know, what does that mean? What are some of the ways that your companies are assessing customer impact? Or if you didn't see many examples that you would recommend to them that they assess customer impact? We talk about does it improve, for example, an interaction that is critically important to the customer? We look at does the improve an interaction that is frequent or affects a majority of customers? Okay, so this happens a lot to them and it's something that might be important to them if it doesn't happen a lot, which the company in this case would know maybe from having map journeys or looked at customer feedback or both. Absolutely. Okay, right. You great. have operational data, you have VOC data that's supporting this. You absolutely cannot decouple prioritization from measurement. So those two are linked and so it's almost measurement precedes prioritization. You need to establish a measurement framework before you even actually get into the prioritization. There's one implication of that then. If someone comes to the CX team with a project and you try to apply Mm. this, but you don't have that customer research, you haven't looked at that segment, you haven't looked at the customer journey that intersects with the call center, that you have to tell them to put that on hold and go conduct that customer research and then come back? Ideally, you would have that first, but in the type of instance where you don't have any type of measurement, it really means that the assessment of customer impact is just going to be more, I guess, nuanced. It's going to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more gray. It's not Mm -hmm. going to be as quite concrete because obviously when you're looking at customer impact, the nature of measuring customer experience, it is quite nebulous as it is. It's more of an art than a science. But how can you change this customer impact, move it from artistic interpretation to actually a a scientific interpretation where you actually have, okay, how are we improving the effectiveness or the ease of the customer experience? Are we moving the needle on how they emotionally feel about the experience? And those are things that you can actually measure with operational data or Mm -hmm. VOC data. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so you mentioned in the research it's been hard to find good examples, but I think there was one that you you featured where a company was maybe looking a level up from the specific projects to try and set some priorities. Can you talk about that one? What we did see 
was, for example, Barclay Card, uh, and that was a, a mechanism or a prioritization tool that was developed by West Monroe Partners mm-hmm. um, to help them prioritize their customer experience projects or initiatives. What we found what was quite good with that was that we're moving from what we've seen in some of the other examples where people prioritize CX problems or issues, that they're actually prioritizing projects. So let's say, for example, if we say we need to fix the login on the website, that's a pain point, but you don't have any way to understand how much is that going to cost? How feasible is it? So at least they are proposing ideas to fix that. Where you have, for example, multiple proposed projects to fix one item, you can actually assess that as well in our template tool that's actually in our intermediate report that allows you to put that project in there, maybe base it on maybe another idea or another proposed project to fix that same item. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you're not just thinking, which problem do we fix first? Yeah. It's which of these solutions do we apply mm. to this problem? Is also another way you can use yeah. the prioritization tool, correct? Interesting. And we've yes. selected this problem because we see the biggest customer value and business benefit yes. in solving this problem. That's correct. Yeah. Or conversely, and I like that, you know, okay, here's a problem to solve and maybe this has the highest potential customer impact, but this other one is maybe the cheapest and fastest and roughly gets the job done and you can sort of 80-20 some of these, right? Well, these are sufficient and that's great. And then we can focus our finite resources on the bigger more extensive ones where there's an opportunity to go above and beyond where there maybe isn't with a login. I, th- I like that example of a login is maybe one you should just solve. It's can I log in or not? It's a binary. Others are opportunities for making it a really delightful moment in the sure. experience. What we've done on the intermediate tools, we've actually weighted the different dimensions and we've weighted the individual criteria within the dimensions. So let's say, for example, you know, you've had a crisis on social media and everyone's talking bad about it. So then you're actually switching from, let's say, acquisition of new customers and you need to pivot to just retaining your existing customers for example, mm. that will allow you to dynamically weight what dimensions or criteria that you actually need to focus on or prioritize those projects over other ones given change of market conditions or you know budget changes, mm-hmm. things like that. You had a great quote in here from a partner at PwC saying, as a CX pro, you may have 1,000 projects you could do, 100 projects you should do, and 10 projects you can do as sort of a way of teeing up the importance of feasibility, I think, as, as one of the criteria. I love that sort of very simple framing of how finite resources limit what, you know, even the good stuff that you should do won't get done because of the team and resources you have. Did you see any interesting solutions to that problem that uh, how firms were prioritizing given the feasibility of getting certain things done. Sure. I'm glad that you brought that quote up. It's by Rick Reppe, who's advisory partner at PwC. He said, essentially, your report is about this. And I said, yes, that's exactly what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that oftentimes people do projects that they think will show quick benefits or quick wins or not actually assess multiple dimensions of the feasibility criteria. So what we did find was, for example, feasibility speaks more to just resources and time. It's also about, are we working with people in the organization organization that are willing to work with us or or can accommodate change. You know, I go back to the example oftentimes in private banking, for example, some of the high net worth individuals that have the greatest impact on the overall revenue of the organization, those client advisors or, or those representatives will be very protective of those client relationships. So mm. they'll be very difficult to work with. So sometimes you need to take the second or third tier level customers, even though those aren't going to provide the biggest bang for your buck, but those are actually more feasible to work with those areas of the business. 
Yeah. So sometimes you need to think about, okay, one is feasibility. Do we have enough time, resources to, to do these projects? But the other one is really how willing are those teams to accommodate change right. or to work with you to, to implement CX improvements? So one question I have then about feasibility is, I guess a concern that I have almost mm. is what if the customer impact and the business impact is so high, but then it is just not going to be feasible, right? How much of an impact does feasibility have? Should it be equal impact of business or mm. customer? Or is it more, you know, it's the deal breaker if there's two solutions that are similar and one is more feasible? Yeah, so that's again, goes back to the waitings. You can wait to say, okay, we're going to dial down customer impact, we're going to dial down business impact, and let's really dial up feasibility. That's like the biggest Mm -hmm. critical deciding factor. Or then you say, okay, well, feasibility, that's an afterthought. And some companies that we did see, uh, as an example, would prioritize on two-by-two dimensions of business impact and customer impact. Yeah, that's what I was envisioning in my head. And then as as a secondary thought, they would say, okay, how feasible is this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because feasibility uh, involves a lot more investigation. Right. And you have to analyze the business and understand. You know, obviously, there's a lot of work that's involved yeah. in assessing feasibility. But just I, I should introduce, you know, we do have other elements in this as well. We have, you know, for example, brand alignment. So if you say that you want to be the most transparent bank in the market, for example, and, yes. this, and what you're doing doesn't align with your overarching CX vision to be very transparent, then mm-hmm. why would you prioritize something that, that doesn't align with that CX vision? So we bring in the brand element um, and we also bring in risk. And we talk about uh, compliance and project risk that's in, it's inherent in the project, for example. Play devil's advocate here for a second. I think business impact, customer impact, feasibility makes sense. And, and Jenny talked about sort of maybe the uncertainty around if something's not feasible, you know, but if it's yeah, got so much value, <laughs> you should find a way to do it. And then I really like the brand alignment is important, right? risk sort of that downside thought process is great. I just worry that if you get enough criteria in and you can start to move the levers around that people work back from the things they want to do and move the levers yeah. until it spits out the answer they're looking for that justifies what they want to do. You know, did you hear anything about that in the research or talk to any firms who impose at least a little bit of rigor around this to say, look, you know, we're not always going to be thrilled with the answers we get here and we have to live with that a little bit because we need a model that puts us all on an even playing field about what gets done and whose projects get funded and, and which areas we focus on for improvements. Right. This kind of speaks to the application of the tool. This is generally managed by the customer experience team. The stakeholders will have interests or multiple or sometimes conflicting interests of different projects they want to do. And they'll come to the CX team and they'll say, hey, I really want to do this project. This has massive impact. It's, you know, we got to do it today. So customer experience team or whether it's, a, for example, a PMO that sits on the customer experience team, they need to objectively look at the intake for the different projects that are coming in. So they will have project intake forms or assessment forms that they fill out, give it then to the project manager or the customer experience team, then they will put this into the tool and that will be a very objective view of how to assess the project. Unfortunately, everyone will come up to you and say, oh, mine needs to be prioritized. It's the most impactful. It's going to drive the most revenue. And if I get this through, I'm going to get raised or I'm going to get promoted. So everyone has all these different stakeholders have these different individual, like I said, conflicting interests. But customer experience team will ultimately then make the call. And what it does is it starts a discussion because then you will say, oh, you said, okay, you know, this project is going to have a revenue uplift of a million dollars. How did you get that number? Yeah. You say that this is going to yeah. tremendously improve how the customer feels about the experience. How did you get that? Right. You know, no, so that's great because yeah. I think you know you referenced a brand attribute of transparency for a bank and you're, you're highlighting being transparent with the methodology used in arriving at these numbers yeah. is critical so that people can have a debate or and, you know maybe they can say, well, actually, you forgot to add a zero here. We have 10 million customers in our segment. Does that change things? You know, or, or actually, you know, I do have an IT resource I, I could devote to this project. Does that change things? And you can lay it out that, look, this is feasible because we have a team of nine, none of whom have the technical chops to, to really do this. And that would open it up to that business.
business unit partner of yours to say, I can devote a resource to that and make right. that make the feasible thing go away, magically right. disappear, right. right? That's really interesting. And I, and I think it's early days here around prioritization, but it can be, sounds like a really useful tool for having these sort of more um, evidence-based exploratory conversations about how do we improve the customer experience in ways that are going to be valuable for us and valuable for our customers. And how do we do it in a way where we're not all over the park, but rather we're doing these things in sort of an aligned strategy, strategic sort of way that maybe almost feels like a portfolio of customer experience projects at the end of that process. Well, Ryan, thank you for joining us on CXCast. Listeners, we'll post links to the two reports that Ryan referenced, and we'll talk to you all next week on CXCast. Bye for now. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality. <laughs>